Most people believe that in order to start working in English, you have to attain an advanced or even native-like level of English. So if you're wanting to get a job this year where you can use your English, maybe you want to work for an international company or even get the opportunity to move abroad, we are going to be sharing with you everything that you need to get on the right path from the level of English that you actually need to crucial aspects that you might not have even realized that you need. Tiago, I thought we could start with you. For your first experience working in English, did you have a C1 level of English, C2 level of English? None of those, neither of those. B1 to be exact. Right there, in the middle, intermediate. And what is, for people who don't know the European framework, what does that mean, a B1? It means you are an intermediate speaker of English and you understand quite well most conversations. And you can already communicate with a certain amount of fluency, but you might still struggle to remember some words. Sometimes you might freeze up because you forget words. So it's not 100% fluent yet, your communication, but yeah. you can speak. It's certainly not that advanced or nowhere near the native-like level of English that a lot of people think or put as a barrier for themselves from starting to seek out a job in English, right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. How did you get the courage up to look for a job? Because I think for a lot of people, it's exactly that, that they think, you know, I'm still only intermediate and my English isn't good enough to work. So what was it that you, what was going on in your head there that you said, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I can work in English. Mm -hmm. That was my second job, actually, the one that allowed me to use English fully. And mm -hmm. I was 19 uh, at the time. I was working at a drugstore mm -hmm. and I was doing well at the drugstore. You know, I had been working there for almost two years. I had gotten some a few promotions already and some responsibilities. But then it came to a point where I started to feel like I maybe had outgrown that place and that job, meaning that mm -hmm. I felt like I had extracted, I had learned all I could from that job. So my radar started to look for other opportunities already. I started to think about, okay, what else can I do aside from working at a drugstore? Tiago, let me ask you a question there, because you've said this a couple of times that you worked at a drugstore, which if people aren't familiar with that term, it sounds like maybe you were a drug dealer or something like that, <laughs> which is more of an illicit job, right? What is a drugstore in English? <laughs> well, depending on the English speaking country you are in, uh, like in England, some people call it the chemists or even pharmacy. Mm -hmm. It's a place that sells medication. Yeah. And drugstore for me also, just a setting aside from a pharmacy. Pharmacy is a place where you go to fulfill prescriptions and a drugstore is a place that there's different brands of this, like Walgreens or Rite Aid, for example, that you'll commonly see in the United States that do that. But they also do different odd things. They'll, share, they'll sell certain products, some, some food. It's not the same as a supermarket, but they also might have a service, for example, to do passport photos or to develop photos is what we call that when you take back in the day or to print out your digital photos, for example. Mm -hmm. All this you can do in one place where you also get your prescriptions filled. It's kind of strange. To develop photos is just exactly that. You bring like a, I don't know, memory card and they print mm -hmm. it out for you. It's called develop photos. This is more outdated. That's a good question. Mm. It was when you took the roll of film. I don't know if you guys ever had one of these Kodak cameras or the type yeah, of cameras yeah. that had these. Oh, you yeah. take it, you give it to them and they... It was actually a big thing back in the day when they had the one hour, you know, photo yeah. development that you would <laughs> drop it off, go run some errands, come back and it was already ready. 
But then even before that, you had to go a day after or a couple of days after to pick mm -hmm. up your photos. Everything became so much faster now. I think they can mm -hmm. do it in 10 minutes for you now. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, Tiago, I'm curious, how did you take the leap from being a modest drug store attendant there in Sao Paulo to having a job where you were speaking English every day? Could you define that expression first, which is really cool? Take the leap. Take the leap. A leap is a large jump. And we'll use this figuratively to say that you're doing something to reach another level, for example, or something that requires some courage. Yeah, that's a nice expression. You asked about uh, mustering up the courage to apply for a job that was fully in English. I think part of that came from my peers, actually, from the drugstore, because they always praised my English back then already. And I was the English person, the English guy in the drugstore. So, oh, Chad, you speak so such good English. You have such good levels. So I guess that positive feedback that I got helped me maybe develop that confidence to, okay, I'm going to go for uh, speaking, an English-speaking job now. So that's why it's important, I think, for you to be surrounded, right, by maybe a community of people or people who encourage you, yeah, in mm -hmm. your, uh, your goals with the language. It's also, you weren't just studying because you could just be studying English and get to a B1 level, but you were already finding some opportunities to use your English, which probably mm -hmm. gave you the confidence to say like, okay, you know, I can have a conversation. I can talk about things with people. If you've never, if you're studying English, you've never put yourself out there to have a conversation that's going to be something that's going to really hold you back because you don't have the confidence to speak without freezing up or without panicking, then it's going to be really difficult for you to get a job in English. Yeah, that is true. I used to talk to customers there uh, from time to time. Mm -hmm. So that also helped develop that confidence. We, we made an episode about that a while ago, right? About finding evidence for yourself that you can do something. You were living at that time in Sao Paulo, which is a really uh, metropolitan city. Yeah. Many international tourists, businessmen, businesswomen, and so on. But for people who might not live in that kind of international environment, the Real Life English app is a perfect place for you to gain some experience because you can go on there, press a button, and instantly be connected with another English speaker, another part of the world. So if you are in the situation where maybe you're already working a job like Chiago was, but you don't have any of these opportunities to start building up your confidence, that can be a really great place to start building that confidence with conversations every day. So one day I was at the drugstore as usual, I was behind the counter and it was a pretty slow day. Uh, we didn't have many customers to tend to. And then there was this newspaper lying around, this printed newspaper. And then I started flipping over the pages. And then in the classified ads, I saw this huge ad w with a photo of a headset. And it, the message was something like, do you speak English fluently? Work uh, remotely? speaking English with Americans, something like that, you know? And there was a phone number there. And that caught my attention. I was like, huh, okay. So later I got the number, I called it. And to my surprise, it was uh, an automated message in English asking me three questions. So I was supposed to record my answers after each beep. The whole process took oh, about wow. 10 minutes. So that already was the first screening, right? We said. <laughs> to get the job. So I was really nervous because I wasn't expecting that. I was hoping to talk to mm -hmm. a live person, but okay, I understood the questions. I could answer them to the best of my abilities and I, uh, you know, I disconnected the call. And then a little while later, I got the call back this time from a person, from the HR person there. And then I went to uh, the actual process. Yeah, two interviews, one in English, one in Portuguese, and then a full training of about two weeks 
to learn more about the position. And then if you pass the training, you, you would get the job. What was the job? Yeah, so it was funny because I didn't know what the job was until the, the training, actually, right? So at the training, after the <laughs> interviews and the training, I learned that it was this American company that provided cable TV services in the U.S. And imagine an American customer who had a problem with their cable TV. You know, the American there mm -hmm. couldn't watch TV for some reason. It was disconnected. So they would call us in Sao Paulo for help. We were the, the front line there, the support desk. So... We would pull up the customer's account, check if the customer had paid the bill or not, walk the person through some troubleshooting steps, and then, if necessary, schedule a technician's visit to go to the person's house and uh, fix it. That was pretty much what the job was. I imagine that training was already really helpful because you could pick up some of the vocabulary you would need on the job because it's not exactly a vocabulary that the average intermediate learner would already have in their repertoire, right? Absolutely. We learned how to operate the system the company used to access mm -hmm. the customer's accounts and vocabulary. And for me, it was a real challenge because, again, I was a B1 level speaker. So I had the challenge of learning a new job, but also mm -hmm. learning English still, yeah, learning new words and how to better communicate myself. So it was kind of a double challenge then, but I was 19. I was ready to go and I made it happen. Were you attached to some particular region? Were you exposed to one accent? Or did you receive calls with different accents of English? Different accents across the U.S., but most of the calls we would get, at least I would get, were from the south of the U.S. So mm -hmm. places like Texas, Mississippi, uh, Wisconsin, Missouri. Yeah, those places. Y'all gonna help me with my cable? Exactly. See my <laughs> Something like that, Ethan. Yeah. Nice. Uh, That's a real challenge. That's a difficult accent, even for me, depending where the person comes from. <laughs> and I was curious, why do you think out of the multitude of applicants for this job, why do you think you made the cut? I see two reasons here. Yeah. Uh, the first reason is just putting myself out there. And for you guys out there, this is a, a tip that I can already give. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Because, you know, sometimes when I feel this insecurity, like, oh, my English is not good enough. I don't think I'm going to be able to get a job now. But you never know. So give it a try mm -hmm. at least. Put yourself out there. Apply. Go through the process. And if you don't get it, that's okay. But you tried it. Yeah? So mm -hmm. I guess that's the first reason. Showing up. Putting myself out there. And I would also say maybe the person could see it in my eye that I really wanted that job because I was so passionate about English. <laughs> Then And I really wanted to work in English. I wanted to be able to speak English every day for work. Maybe the mm -hmm. person saw it in my eyes like, oh, yeah, this person really, <laughs> this kid <laughs> at the time that really wants to work in English. So, yeah, let me give him a shot. Yeah. We have some listeners probably who are in that age range where they might be going for their first or second job. So it's really good to know that that confidence goes a long way and passion goes a long way. So exactly what you were saying is that sort of attitude that, you know, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm going to yeah. learn what I have to learn. I'm going to put in extra hours. I'm going to really make sure that I'm successful in this job because the person who's hiring is going to want to make that bet on you if they feel like even if you don't have the skills necessarily right now, even if your English maybe isn't quite as advanced yet, even if you don't know all about what the company does, that you're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's absolutely that. Ethan, you used two phrases that I would want you to define for our viewers. Sure. So there are two phrases with the verb make. 
first time you were asking Tiago uh, what made him stand out, but you used this phrase, make the cut. I don't think I heard it myself. Could you define it? Yeah. When there's any sort of process or competition to be able to join a team, to make the cut means that you go through that process and you're one of the people who is selected. I suppose this comes because you could also say that you were cut, like you were cut from the team or you were cut from the process, meaning that you were removed. So if you make the cut, it's like you make it past the cutting away of the people. Okay. And then the second time you, in your question, you said, why do you think the company made bad on you? What is it to make bad uh, on someone? People probably know this expression from the casino, maybe. Or if you like any sort of gambling, you're making a bet. If you say that you make a bet on someone, in that case, you are taking a risk because you believe that it's going to pay off the same way that any sort of gambling does. So if I'm interviewing Chiago and I'm like, you know, his English isn't quite good enough yet. He's lacking in some skills that we need for this position. But man, he's so hungry for it. He really wants it. So I'm going to make a bet that he's going to figure it out. He's going to gain those skills that he needs to really shine in this role. So that's it, guys. I got that job and I stayed there for about a year. And it was a really defining experience for me for my English learning. So there you go. What's a defining experience? It's that experience that usually you don't forget that makes mm -hmm. you who you are. It's a defining experience. Let me share something with you. I'm very proud to say that I was able to achieve the highest level of proficiency in English, the C2 level, without ever having to live in an English-speaking country. But you know what? When I was learning English many years ago, there weren't many resources available to learn English. Because of this, my journey to get to this high level was really slow and really long. We have combined our collective 40-plus years of teaching experience and created an app that allows you to listen to fun, impactful lessons with your fluency coaches, access interactive transcripts with definitions, and practice your vocabulary with intelligent flashcards. Not to mention the possibility of connecting with another English speaker for a short conversation. Here's what one app user has to say. I love the idea that we need to have a conversation with not only native speakers or native tutors, but also non-native speakers. I've been learning English with a native tutor online for over a year, but I still have difficulties to have a conversation when I travel abroad. I guess that's because I'm not familiar with various pronunciations and accents in different countries yet. So I think this app gives us many chances to come across those situations. Besides, one of the best parts in this app is that we can acquire new vocabulary using flashcards. I'd like to thank all the hosts. You guys are doing great. So join this and tens of thousands of learners who use the Real Life English app to get confident natural English. You can find the link to download the app up here, also down in the description of this video, or go to Google Play Store, Apple App Store, and search for Real Life English. Amazing. All right, Ksenia, I don't want to neglect you because you, right now you work in English, but you've had past experience at least trying to work in English. So for your first job, I believe that you did need to have an advanced level of English. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. I I was fresh out of college and that was really my first job. You know, I was totally unprepared to enter this corporate world. You know, I knew nothing about it and um, I was inexperienced. And what a shame that colleges did not prepare students for, you know, real world to know this art of choosing the company you want to work on. So I wasn't prepared and the college for us was just like a greenhouse. We were so comfortable there. And then now, you know, real life starts. And I wasn't in my teens like Chiago, and I didn't work while studying. So I studied for five years. 
with no work experience. And there is a paradoxical situation, but when you are searching for a job, usually in the requirements, you would need some experience. But yeah, how you get that experience is if that's your first job, right? <laughs> so that's something I faced. That's why I was looking for some entry-level position, you know, such words like secretary or receptionist. Back in the day, I didn't have my personal laptop. So I went to one of those internet cafes to use their computer. I prepared the CV for myself. It wasn't very long because, again, I just was fresh out of college. So I included my education, my soft skills, pretty much <laughs> that. I did want to interrupt just because there was some nice vocabulary that you said. You said like an entry-level position. You said that college was like a greenhouse. You said fresh out of college. Mm -hmm. So if you're fresh out of something and... We won't define these right now for those of you, if you are watching on YouTube or you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or another platform like that, I really recommend that you download the Real Life English app and you check out this episode there because you'll get definitions and vocabulary flashcards for all these so you can learn them and never forget them. So, Ksenia, oh. back to your story. Sorry for the <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ethan. That was like really, really important information. So, yeah, I sent out my CVs. Uh, and I was just waiting for a call. Oh, I forgot one more important detail that wasn't only my first job and something new, a new experience. It also, it also was a new city because from my native town from Cherkasy, I moved to the capital city, to Kiev. So you can imagine my, I was just lost, confused. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and the strategy I chose for myself was just like, okay, girl, just relax and be yourself. And yeah, just relax. I think that I, that I relaxed too much because on the day, <laughs> yeah, because like I just wanted to make an appearance of being just confident and that, you know, oh, okay, it's like, yeah, <laughs> I came. I got my job. I think English secured this position for me because I was really like at that time, I think I was C1, passed all the exams, was like a really on high level, like remembered everything I needed. It was lots and lots of hours of practice in English. So I also had like two rounds of interviews, one in Ukrainian and another in English. But what I was telling you about like being too relaxed, I think I was like, there's this also beautiful expression in English, like I was wearing my heart on my sleeve, like I was too mm. open. Like they ask me a question. Sharing too much. Yeah. And I was just like <laughs> shooting answers and just like I wasn't uh, hiding. And I thought at that time that that's good because it shows that I'm open. They can rely on me. I'm trustworthy. Maybe I was like oversharing stuff. Like, for example, just to give you one example, they asked me, okay, Xenia, why did you come to Kiev, to the capital city? I imagine they wanted to hear about my ambitions, about my plans to grow, to develop personally, right? What Xenia answered? <laughs> Sheer truth. <laughs> I came to my boyfriend. <laughs> and I, and at that time, uh, I was dating a boy who was one year younger, and he was still in his uh, final year at the college. He was studying in Kiev, and I thought, okay, I'll move to Kiev, and we'll, you know, live there together. He'll finish his college, and we'll continue our life there in Kiev. That's what I told him in my first interview. Can you imagine? <laughs> It worked, right? Maybe they could see that you were trustworthy. Because maybe if you'd made something up, a lot of times someone who's hiring has experience mm -hmm. interviewing. And so usually they can see through if someone is BSing them. In other words, if you're trying to exaggerate or you're telling a lie, you're making something up. 
So maybe you don't want to be so open to the point where it's like oversharing or too mm -hmm. much information, but you also don't want to be trying to BS them or doing something that they're going to see isn't authentic or that they That's might find true. out later wasn't true, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. But there was one point, uh, and I think I could give advice to our listeners who are right now searching for a job. It's like, be careful, don't repeat my mistakes. Is that mm -hmm. I was so excited and like, Tiago, I really wanted to work in English to use my skills, to use the language. That's why while I was searching for a job, I was filtering for the jobs that require English. And I was sure that they do need English because I even had an interview in English. They were checking my level of English. But then when I started the job during the first, second week, I saw that I hardly used it. So they were looking for a person with English, but then I didn't use that mm -hmm. so much. That happens to a lot of people. I know that they got a job that says English is required. They may even have an interview that's in English to test their level, like you said. But then they arrive there and they realize that they're hardly getting any opportunities to use their English when that was one of their goals with the job was to be somewhere where they could use it daily. So I don't know if you learned any lessons there that, that would help you to better know that in a future job, you know, I should make sure to ask about this or I should be sure to know this so that I know that actually when I get there on day one, I'm already going to be speaking in English. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I learned a lot because like I mentioned, that was the first job. So actually everything I learned was new for me. I think I learned a lot from the experience of first, what you want from job, you want to earn money, of course, but then you need to learn from it. So every situation, you always have to search for lesson you want to take from that experience. So once I lost some very important document and that was a legal firm I was working for. And oh my oh, God, yeah. after that, I was really taking care of my organization, of my desk and like, you know, all the folders, how to organize stuff. I think I learned it at that job after that accident. Mm. And that's exactly the thing too, for anyone who is still very early in their career, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to screw yeah. up and <laughs> that's how you learn things, right? Hopefully you don't make the same mistake twice. I think that's a good goal is don't make the same mistake twice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. Other thing that I would just say here, if your goal is to find a job where you're actually speaking English on a regular basis, it can be good to look for things like, is this an international company? So are they actually operating in multiple countries or is their headquarters maybe in my home country and they're serving my home country and once in a while there's an international client or something like that. And in particular, if it's an international company where there's people from other countries are working there because it means maybe even the environment will be in English. So not only will you be speaking to clients in English or producing materials in English, but also with your coworkers, that can be really great. You know, I got to point out the way you pronounced the word secretary, and you were so British, you said secretary. I thought, woo, so Polish, mm -hmm. secretary. <laughs> the American way would be, Ethan, how would you pronounce it? Now I'm going to be uh, self-doubting here, but sec secretary, se secretary, <laughs> secretary. <laughs> secretary sounds like it's a type of tree, right? <laughs> yeah, but maybe that's also this word is not so much commonly used right now. You would say maybe the an assistant or receptionist, no? Yeah, assistant sounds good, but I'm not sure mm -hmm. if it's worse secretary or receptionist. Maybe go with assistant. I like that one. Mm. Thank you. So we've talked about your guys' experience. We've talked about maybe debunking a little bit that many learners believe you have to have an advanced level in English to get a job when for Tiago, it wasn't the case for you. And I know many other people who work in English and here at Real Life English, we've hired people who have like that B1 level, like you're saying, and they've improved on the job because 
of other things that they did have that we considered more important than just having simply an advanced level of English. So you could focus really on having that advanced level of English, but if you're ignoring other things that are very crucial, very essential, then you're still going to have a lot of trouble getting a job. So Chiago, I think you had some opinions about this, right? Of skills that were necessary for you in getting your, your jobs that you've had previously, besides just your English. Yeah. Um, I want to point out the importance of soft skills. What are soft skills? Ah, there you go. <laughs> so I can actually define soft skills coming from three different perspectives. Yeah. But first, let's define hard skills to differentiate. So what is a hard skill? It's the skill that you need to perform a job. So for example, if you want to work as a chef, you need to know how to cook. Knowing how to cook is your hard skill. If you want to work as a web developer or programmer, knowing how to code on the computer is a hard skill. But soft skills are much more important, at least nowadays, I think, uh, because I think hard skills, most of them now you can get them more easily than in the past. I'm not talking about being, being a surgeon here, but you know, especially when it comes to knowledge work and uh, if you want to go into marketing, maybe even technology, these industries, right? Mm -hmm. It's really easy for you to acquire hard skills nowadays through online courses, programs. You can even get a college degree online nowadays, which is more affordable. But soft skills are skills that go beyond that. So one area of soft skill that you should develop is your communication. How effectively can you communicate? Can you communicate clearly? Are you able to organize ideas, craft them, and present them in a logical sequence of events or order that makes sense for the other people to understand what you're saying? So this is one aspect of soft skills, good communication skills. Yeah, which goes beyond just communicating in English, right? If you don't have good communication skills in your native tongue, how can you expect to have them in English? Mm -hmm. exactly. exactly, yeah. And that's something also you can learn, but that's not that easy and not mm -hmm. that fast to learn that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, something else that I forgot to say is that soft skills can usually be transferred from job to job. So regardless of which industries you have worked on, you can always transfer the soft skills you learn in one job to the next, to the next, from one industry right. to the next. I believe a big part of that too might be your body language, especially if you're going into a physical job interview. How are you sitting there? Are you, are you crossing yourself in different ways? Are you closing yourself up? Or do you have more of an open body language, kind of like having your chest out more, your shoulders back, mm -hmm. you know, sitting up straight this is like very important and not fidgeting. Fidgeting is a nice word that means you're doing different nervous little motions. So you're picking at your nails or you're you're touching your face in different ways, doing different things that show that you're nervous or that you're not confident in yourself. So that can be something even to practice answering some interview questions in front of the mirror so you can see what you look like as you're answering this. That's how I'm going to correct yeah. my, my, my posture here. <laughs> <laughs> a second aspect of soft skills is relationships how you relate with other people. Are you able to successfully work with your peers, with your bosses, supervisors, you know, work in a team and deliver a result with other people? I'm not talking about being friends uh, with coworkers. Of course that can happen, but it's about working well together for a mm -hmm. common goal. Can you mm -hmm. do that? Mm -hmm. What Or um, your emotional intelligence when it comes to navigating conflicts in the workplace, because conflicts in the workplace are inevitable. How do you deal with a conflict that you have maybe with a coworker? How do mm -hmm. you navigate that? How do you find a resolution for that? How do you ask your boss for a raise? Your relationships, how you relate with people, your emotional intelligence is also part of your soft skills. Is giving and receiving feedback also considered as a soft skill? Absolutely. And I think it's related to the emotional intelligence and the communication. These yeah. two aspects there. Yeah. 
a lot of people might take being a good team player as that means I have to agree with everything that my superiors say or that people who have been working here longer than I say. But it's not that, right? Most companies nowadays are valuing more that you have strong opinions and you know how to share them. And obviously, if your opinion isn't the one that is decided upon in the end, you're able to commit anyway to the winning idea, but that you speak your mind. So mm -hmm. the feedback and the yeah. speaking your mind, this is something that for many people... And especially depending on what culture you come out of, this can be even taboo in many cultures, mm -hmm. speaking your mind or giving feedback. So it's something you really have to practice because at least if you're in a company that has maybe more of an American culture or even a British culture, it's something that you're going to encounter nowadays. What's your soft skill? I'm asking a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> That reminded me of actually one situation in my second job where there was a girl, she was really beautiful. And I don't know, I befriended all of the girls there except this one girl. And I don't know why I really wanted to become closer with her because she's, she looked really sweet and nice, but somehow she didn't like me. And then there came a day where I decided to face it and just ask her directly, what's wrong? Why don't you like me? And... <laughs> <laughs> Well, she also decided to be honest <laughs> and she said like, you're just asking so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was curious and I really wanted to learn quickly. So in my first week at that job, uh, yes, uh, maybe I was too intrusive. I don't know. I was asking a lot of questions and that's something she didn't like. So mm -hmm. There's also an art to it, right? Most How definitely. To do that. Yeah. Just coming back very quickly to your point, Ethan, about speaking your mind in the workplace. This is actually one of the things that I love about working with you guys, working a real life English, because guys, you know, our team, we really encourage each other to do this. You know, we uh, encourage each other to develop trust in each other first and engage in productive conflict. So we are encouraged to disagree with each other when it's necessary and speak our minds, right? For the better goal, for the greater good. Very good phrase you use to speak your mind. Can you define that? Basically means to say what you're thinking, to share your opinion. Maybe a final tip that I would share just for people who are wanting to get a job is do your due diligence, which means that you're doing your research, you're getting to know the company. So a lot of people will take a cookie cutter approach, which means that they'll send out the same CV and cover letter and mm -hmm. application to every single mm -hmm. company they're applying to, which maybe you'll get a job that way, but you're not going to It's unlikely you're going to get a job that you're going to love or they're going to feel like you fit in there. So I think that it's really important to personalize the entire process for the job and to be selective. You know, it's not just the company making a decision to hire you. It's you making a decision to work at this company. So you should really get to know, is this a place where I'm going to be happy working? So it's good to research things about what kind of things are they working on? Is this company actually like international? Am I going to be using my English there daily? What kind of culture do they have? What are their values? Do they say on their website, what are their values? Are those similar to the things that I value? Because if this company values things very differently than what you personally value, then there's probably going to be a lot of friction with you working in that place. That is true. What is a cookie cutter approach, by the way? Cookie cutter is those forms that you cut out cookie dough with to bake them. And if you're taking a cookie cutter approach, it means... Exactly this, that you're using the same form, the same strategy for every single thing. So if we're talking about jobs, it's exactly that, that you're using the same approach with every single company. And if you're going in for an interview, for example, if you've done your due diligence, if you've gotten to, which I'm still butchering saying that due diligence, then, you know, you're going to be researching. You'll go into the interview and, you know, they'll ask you different questions about why you want to work there. And you'll have competent answers because you have researched about it. You know what they're working on. You know the things that they value. 
So you'll be able to speak directly to the things that that company is looking for. And you're going to really shine compared to other applicants, other people who are in the process because of that. If you haven't done that, then you won't even register. They're not even going to have remembered the interview with you. And I love what you said, Ethan, about uh, you as the candidate, the person looking for the job, you are also evaluating the company. It's not just the company that Mm -hmm. is evaluating you, but do I see myself working at this place with these people doing this kind of work? So yeah, I love that. Just to wrap up my point about soft skills, a third aspect is mindset that also Mm -hmm. composes your soft skills. So what is your outlook on the world, on things? Are you resilient? So how you view things, whether you have more of a growth mindset or fixed mindset, That can also be thrown in there as part of your soft skills Mm -hmm. package, I would say. Nice. Mm -hmm. And dear viewers, I wanted to share some questions that we actually use in our interviews and talk to you about good answers for those. I think that's going to be another episode. We also had a video that we found that talked about the question, which many, we don't ask here at Real Life English when we hire people, but many jobs ask this, tell me about yourself. So Mm -hmm. we'll link that video in the show notes for you so you can watch on your own. It's like a 10 minute video. There's lots of great tips in there. I highly recommend that video. I when I watched mm. it, like I thought, oh my god, why haven't I watched it? Like you know, years <laughs> and years <laughs> before. That's exactly, that's, guys. This will be like really a gem. And if you're on YouTube, comment or send us an email at hello at realglobal.com. If you are needing to interview in English and you would like us to do an episode like this where we talk about typical questions and answers. And maybe I can even shine some light on, because I got to interview both of you guys when you applied to the job here. And both yeah. you guys obviously stood out. You both made the cut. <laughs> so I think that could be fun. But we're going to move on, finish up today's episode talking about what we're digging. So each of us will share a little bite-sized thing that we are enjoying right now and that we think you might want to check out. So Ksenia, ladies first. Ah, okay. So <laughs> I brought a funny story that happened to me this week. On Tuesday, I visited a speaking club in my city. That's so amazing. That was absolutely amazing. (laughs) I had a ball. The topic of the day was movies. So we were playing games and we were discussing our favorite movies and the actors. So, of course, it wouldn't be a discussion about movies without Leonardo DiCaprio mentioned. You know, everyone loves (laughs) him. And there was one girl who said that, you know, I honestly like I I feel like I fell in love with him when I was a teenager. Like I really (laughs) it was my crush. Yeah, I had a crush on Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, But then she also mentioned that there are so many beautiful movies he made. And I wanted to Mm -hmm. ask her a question. And, you know, just to prepare you, you know that there is a word role and Mm -hmm. part, and they are synonymous. The role and the part the actors play in the movie. So I asked her, what part of Leonardo DiCaprio do you like the best? (laughs) And she was like, in what sense? I like all of him. (laughs) That was hilarious. I like all of him. The whole whole package. Oh, wow. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we had a great laugh and it was really, really nice moment of the meeting. You know, I laughed at myself as well. No, 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 no. I, I mean the role. Yeah. What's the confusion there? So which parts, because it's, it's more of a syntax issue or a word choice issue, because the part wasn't the problem there is uh, what part did you like him in most? For example, you could say, yeah. or what role did you like him in most? Yeah. But what part of him? Of, so it was, yeah. the wrong, it was yeah. the wrong preposition. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, that, what what part of Leonardo DiCaprio it's like a body should, part, right? <laughs> body part, <laughs> exactly. So again, can you repeat for our listeners and for me the best variant for this question, Ethan? Yeah. So 
what part did you like him in or what role of his did you like? What role did you like him in? Oh, which of his roles do you <laughs> like the best? Yeah. Yeah. It would have been interesting if she actually gave you a frank answer to which part of him do you like? <laughs> <laughs> but Thiago, what are you digging this week? Uh, I'm actually digging a book that I've been reading. Uh, it's called The Intelligent Investor. And it's a book mm. about learning how to invest your money. It's by Benjamin Graham. He was Warren Buffett's teacher and mentor. Actually, Warren Buffett learned a lot from him. And the book is designed for the average investor to learn how to apply the principles of value investing when choosing companies to buy shares of, you know, and how to best allocate your capital. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I've been thinking that book because I've been, I, f I find myself nowadays thinking more and more about this stuff, you know, like saving money for the future, investing my money for the future mm -hmm. and my family. So I've been digging that book. It's really good. For those who don't know, who's Warren Buffett? He's an American billionaire investor. He's maybe one of the most influential and famous investors. Mm -hmm. And he has made most of his fortune actually by investing in the stock market, investing mm -hmm. in companies. So for example, he has huge shares of Apple, of Coca-Cola, uh, Bank of America. All these companies are part of his portfolio. So he is a famous figure in the investing world. And I wanted to cycle back to the main topic because you used a lot of really nice financial and investing jargon there, which people can find on the app if they're listening to this elsewhere or watching this elsewhere. But I wanted to circle back because say that you wanted to get a job in investment or in banking or something or in anything technical, you should start doing everything that you can in English as far as it goes with learning. So any course that you're taking, any book that you're reading, instead of reading it in your native language, start reading in English because you'll get that jargon, that technical language that you need that's going to be so helpful when you start the job. So that just reminded me exactly. of that as another Leave English. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And you could even change your devices, you know, to English. That can be like another thing because maybe someone's going to give you instructions when you're on a Zoom call and it's good to know what the different features are called. Anyway, it's interesting that you shared a bite of something that you're learning. I'm also going to share something that I'm learning. So I have one of my goals for this year for 2024 is to get in better shape. So I found this guy on YouTube and his name's Jeremy Ethier. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but yeah, he does these really fantastic videos that go, they go straight to the point. They're so comprehensive. And I ended up deciding to sign up for his course. And it's really well done because the process to sign up is first they have you do a test where they ask a lot of different questions about your experience while your goals, your experience so far working out. So, you know, if you already have experience or if you're completely new to it with nutrition, if you have dieting experience or if you've never followed any sort of diet in the past. And so you answer all these questions and then they recommend to you a course that's going to work perfectly for your goals and for your level. So that's the first thing. And I ended up signing up for the course because I was so impressed by everything so far. And I think this guy's just amazing. So the, the course is called Built with Science or that's the company. And I believe it's called like the built-in science course. And I really like that he's super straightforward. He has no BS in his approach. And the course is absolutely just packed with information. So I feel like as someone, I have some experience, so I'm not starting from absolute zero, but really it answers every single question that you could have about dieting, exercise, everything else that you need to reach your fitness goals. And he has different courses for if you're wanting to get shredded or wanting to bulk up. And yeah, I'm, I'm really digging that. I've been going through that course. I've been already starting the, the program the last few weeks. Um, and it's, it's amazing and highly recommend it. Cool. You know, you also use a couple of jargon, a couple of jargon there, like shredded <laughs> and bulk up guys, download the app and learn these <laughs> words there. All right. <laughs> Most definitely. And 
if you are interested, I highly recommend checking out Jeremy's videos on YouTube because again, they're they're usually short and they just are packed with information. They're really well done. And then if you do the the whole quiz to find out which courses you should take, I actually Googled when I went to buy it, I Googled for discount codes and I found a discount code on Reddit and it worked and I think it got me like 30% off. So it's actually a really great deal. It's not going to break the bank, as we say. It's not going to cause you to spend all of your for the savings. female part of our audience do yes, they also have like for men and women mm -hmm, okay. exactly so they have different <laughs> courses for men and women which is also really great and i think that's it guys so thanks so much for joining us today hopefully this podcast has helped you with your goals whether it's getting a job in english or getting shredded or bulking up this year or avoiding talking about or maybe not avoiding talking about leonardo dicaprio's body parts <laughs> <laughs> And remember that if you are enjoying these lessons, a free way to support us other than, of course, downloading the app is to leave us a five-star review in the Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else where you're listening to us that gives you this capability that helps us to reach all sorts of other learners. Or if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell down below. Also like this video. Again, it helps us to reach more learners so that they can have a lot of fun learning with us and it helps YouTube to know what kind of content you want. And of course, you can always comment and let us know directly if there's something you'd like us to do one of these podcasts on. And I think that's it. So remember that no matter what divides us, <laughs> that which unites us is far, 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 far greater. One, two, three. Oh, yeah. yeah.